You are listening to Radio Boston. I'm Tiziana Deering. Now, some residents were supposed to get a boost to their cash assistance this year. That includes people with children, older adults, some residents with disabilities. Those increases were supposed to keep up with increasing costs of living, but the Healy administration canceled them to make up for a budget shortfall. And advocates say that will hit the most vulnerable hard and unfairly. Now, joining us in Studio 2, Deborah Harris, who is the Senior Benefits Staff Attorney for the Massachusetts Law Reform Institute, and April Jennison, who's an organizer for the Coalition for Social Justice. Deborah, welcome back. Thank you. Nice to be here. Great to have you. And April, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So, April, I want to start with you because you um, generously came in to talk about your own story. You're an organizer now, and part of the reason that you are is that as a child and an adult, you received cash assistance, yes? That's correct. And why do you want to talk about that now? Why is this so important to you that you want to tell your story? Well, it's a story that needs to be told, um, and it's a difficult story to tell, there's a lot of um, apprehension for people coming forward with stories like this because of the stigma that exists um, both around poverty and around receiving um, welfare benefits. And so sharing my story is a way that I can highlight some of the difficulties that are experienced by people that are trying to rely on the meager benefits allotted to them through the Transitional um, Assistance Benefits Program, so TAFDC. Tell me about, uh, as an adult, being on TAFDC, that's the state program, uh, how long were you on it, uh, how, many benef- how much benefits did you get, what were the challenges of that? Well, I first started receiving TAFDC as an adult when I was in the last trimester of my pregnancy. I had preeclampsia, and so I was um, confined to bed rest, and so I stopped working. And I started receiving um, TAFDC at that point. And it was uh, early delivery. My my child was born three pounds and was in the NICU for a long time and had a lot of health problems, uh, chronic lung disease of prematurity, um, and uh, not a robust immune system. So um, she would get every single virus, everything that came through. And so it was very difficult for me to work because I lost jobs for missing so much work. I mean, she got H1N1 when that was a thing. She had whooping cough and was um, was hospitalized for that. And so it was it was really difficult to um, keep steady employment. But I tried. So I, I worked off and on um, for the early years of um, her life. So this was in 2005, she was born, and we received $491 a month for the two of us. Um, how long did this go on? Well, as I said, it was um, intermittent um, between employment. I did get, um, I did, was able to get an associate's degree when she was young, and so I was able to get some pretty, pretty good jobs. Um, however, I missed work all the time, and it was extremely difficult to keep employed because of the um, amount of time that I was out of work due to my child's illness. So this was, and I'm mindful, uh, Deborah, you're sitting here with us, uh, and I will come back to you shortly as we talk about the policy side of this, but uh, April's story is so important to understanding why the policy matters. So I'll stay with you a little bit longer here, April, you know, just under $500 a month. What did that do for you and what didn't it do for you as a mom who's trying to support a a sick kid? Well, 
when my daughter was a few months old, we ended up um, going into a family shelter. And so in the family shelter, they take out some of your 491. So it was actually even less. Um, and you have to prepare and um, purchase all your own foods. So it was even difficult in there in an in a, in a environment where we're not paying rent. Um, so it was even difficult in there. But when we finally um, were able to get subsidized housing, um, it was even more difficult uh, because they do take a little bit away if you are in subsidized housing. I'm not sure the exact amount, but they take a little bit off of your grant amount for being in subsidized housing. Um, and so it was it was it was really difficult. It was it was the parent I was experiencing the parents' version of what I experienced as a child. What you experience as a kid? Well. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there were um, lots of material goods that we didn't have. You know, we didn't have um, heat consistently. We would, my mom on winter mornings, she would put the stove on and we would all, you know, kind of hang out in the in the kitchen near the stove. She would dry, wash our clothes in the bathtub. She would dry them on the backs of those, um, you remember those cast iron radiators? Yeah. So we'd go to school and we'd have like brown lines down the back of our clothing and you know how kids are even without those lines you know the the moniker back then was for for kids like me I guess was scrub so it was really it was really an isolating experience because you might not have the understanding of these things yet of economics of poverty and and all these different issues but you know that you're different and you know that people treat you differently the the children treat you differently um, even friends' parents, you know, if they knew where we live, they they wouldn't let their kids come over. I had a friend's dad drive me home, and he called my street crack alley to my face. Um, so it's it's incredibly alienating, and those feelings don't go away. Um, and even today, I I deal with you know social anxiety. I worry about how I'm going to be perceived from a childhood and an early adulthood of of being. Um, kind of on the sidelines. And so I I have imposter syndrome and I know that that's not unique to um, having grown up in poverty, but it's a real thing and it's definitely um, part of it. It's part of it. So we're speaking with April Jennison, who's an organizer for the Coalition for Social Justice, and Deborah Harris, who's the senior benefits staff attorney um, at the Mass Law Reform Institute, as we talk about cuts that have been made to some state benefits um, in a way that new benefits that were benefits that were supposed to increase will now not increase. Um, we're going to widen the conversation now, but before we do, April, um, there's there's not a lot more intimate than your story. Uh, and I want to thank you for sharing your story so that we can have an informed conversation about what it means here. And I appreciate that. And I'm grateful to you for doing it. Um, and I want to ask you just quickly, how's your daughter now? My oldest is 19 now and is in their second semester of college. That's fantastic. Fantastic. So, Deborah, how common... Uh, is the experience that April has had, because the stakes that we're talking about here, some will hear, uh, okay, well, it's just an increase that's not happening. Um, but April's story here is one of not enough. How common is that? <clears throat> yes, uh, that is April's story. And <clears throat> I have heard April's story or versions of it, pieces of it a number of times before. And every time I hear it, it tears at me. To, to hear it yet again, because April is one of thousands 
of families receiving transitional aid in Massachusetts who rely on this, who are struggling with it. And she is also, as she said, an organizer working to make improvements for the future and for other people. One of the improvements that has been made is that cash assistance grants, which were essentially frozen between 1988 and 2005 and stayed frozen until 2021 after that, the legislature finally started to increase gradually. There were a few small increases starting in January 2021, and a fourth increase that was scheduled to go into effect this April, April 2024, a 10% increase. So the current cash assistance grant for a family of three was increased in October 2022 to $783 a month. It was scheduled to go up to the grand amount of $861 a month. That's for a family of three with no income at all. Okay, so let me bring this in now for for the listeners. So here is where we are. A couple of weeks ago, Massachusetts Governor Maura Healey acknowledges that the state has a $1 billion revenue shortfall after for six straight months the state collects less revenue than it expects. The governor responds by uh, cuts of nearly $400 million as part of the strategy to close that shortfall. And within that, um, there are these cuts of about $13 million to one program for families with dependent children and about a little more than $4 million to emergency aid for people who are uh, elderly and disabled uh, children. Um, The state says, listen, quote, I am reducing this amount to the amount projected to be necessary to maintain current benefits levels that have increased by an average of 30% since fiscal year 21. So uh, April, uh, the state says, listen, they've been increasing. We're just not increasing them more. That'll be the same amount. We're not cutting anything. But we've just heard Deborah Harris say, listen, it was decades without any increases. These were moderate increases. Um, So... uh, um, it is a tough time, right? Billion-dollar shortfall. Why not hold things steady, April? Well, I mean, the so as Deborah said, we had a long period of time where there were no cuts. So all that time that there weren't any cuts, the cost of living was increasing. I think you mean no increases. I mean no yeah, increases. Yeah. Yes, sorry. Thank you. Yeah. So. It, at that time, there were there were no increases, but the cost of living was increasing every single year. And so when we first started um, this campaign, it, the problem wasn't as pressing as it, it is now. Despite having a few cuts over the past few years, the amounts of the cash grant is still so low that it's still lower than half of the federal poverty level. So this is deep poverty. So... Maybe there are better places to take the money from. Like I know that she increased HDIP funding from ten million to thirty three million in one year. Remind me what HDIP stands for. It's Housing Development Incentive Program. And now this is to build housing that is fair market, i.e. expensive and even luxury. So 
to increase that $33 million in one year when, what did you say was cut from TFTC, $14 million? Uh, just, just shy. Yeah, just shy of $14 million. So I just... No, $13,156,000. So it seems to me that the problem isn't that there isn't enough. It's that there's a problem of priorities. So to, to that point, Deborah Harris, I'll come mm-hmm. back to you of Mass Law Reform Institute. You know, as we, as we look through this, so tonight is the State of the Commonwealth address. Uh, uh, a spokespeople for the governor have let us know sort of what the general priorities that she's going to express are. And one of them she revealed yesterday where she talked about child care across the street. And she's talking about new spending of just shy of $600 million on free child care in some cases, providing more child care support in gateway cities, et cetera. Is it possible that the governor's plan is to offset costs other places? Um, Or is this just a straight line over time defunding of cash assistance? It is a cut to cash assistance that is not consistent with what the governor said were her criteria when she made the cuts. She said that her criteria uh, were... First, to protect future investments in the Commonwealth, and secondly, to protect the most vulnerable. Well, we know that cutting cash assistance, only $783 a month that was supposed to go up by $78, cutting that hurts the most vulnerable. And it also doesn't protect future investments in our children because children, as April said, suffer and they carry that pain with them for the rest of their lives. Have you spoken with the Healy administration since the cuts were announced, Deborah? Uh, <clears throat> we have spoken with some members of the Healy administration. We have not uh, spoken with the governor herself yet. We, we, we would love to do that. And what have you heard from the members of the administration with whom you have spoken since these cuts were announced? Some members of the administration say that they do not endorse the cuts. And uh, April, uh, what do you want to see happen now? Um, At the very least, I would like to see the governor rescind these cuts. It's not too late. Um, I would be even more happy with a further increase beyond what we had originally expected to see in April. Um, We are aiming for um, grant amounts to be at half of the federal poverty level so we can lift the children out of deep poverty. Are you worried, Deborah, that this is the shape of things to come? Well, we are concerned because we have been uh, engaged in a campaign for a number of years to increase grants gradually until, as April said, they reach half of the federal poverty level. The poverty level goes up every year to reflect increased inflation. The poverty level went up yesterday. For a family of three, it went up to $1,072 a month. That's the federal poverty. Excuse me, federal. That's half of the federal poverty level. Our goal is to increase grants to that very, very, very modest level. We know that that is still not enough, but we need to get there in order, as the governor said she wanted, to protect the most vulnerable and to protect the future 
of our Commonwealth. All right. Deborah Harris is of the Massachusetts Law Reform Institute, and April Jennison is of the Coalition for Social Justice and a former benefits recipient. I want to thank you both for being here. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.